You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School, presented by Privy and Triple Whale. I'm your host, Val Geisler. Class is in session for another episode of the E-Commerce Marketing School podcast. Today, we are bringing you one of our favorite tenured guest professors, Drew Sanaki from PostPilot. Drew, uh, recently, Eli Weiss and I were talking about how we have been screaming in a corner about retention for like eight years. And so it's nice that people are finally catching up to what we... (laughs) Yeah, I would say I've been screaming. I've been screaming for 20, you know, and it's because I, when I started my first brand in 2000, there was nothing online about marketing or how to do anything. I went to the library and I got a bunch of catalog marketing books and they start with RFM, which is like how you segment your customer base and then get and try to use RFM, recency, frequency, and, and monetary spend, how to use those three metrics to like build a customer retention program. And so I immediately, that's the lens through which I sort of saw everything in the early days. Well, and I think it's actually really great kind of frame of reference of you have this kind of historical experience of building in a different way and thinking through the customer relationship in a more like truly one-to-one approach versus someone who has started in the last three to five years and is just like, all in on ads and the digital experience and like that it's a it brings a different perspective that you have to like what it actually takes to win (laughs) well i don't i think it's like yeah i mean with time comes experience right and uh and but i think it's actually like an advantage it's an edge that you have that um people who are kind of newer in the space which actually is like a lot of our listeners have really come into e-commerce in the last couple of years. It's an exciting place to be. Why wouldn't you want to be here? And <laughs> it's really exciting. It's where all the action is. And plus, you know, when you when you talk to a lot of brands that are both like offline and online or traditional brick and mortar and D2C, like D2C is always the cool part of that brand. And everybody else is a little bit sort of backward thinking or just like old school. You know, so there's always that cultural tension even within a company among, between like the D2C people and, and sort of the traditional sales channel people. The uh, the people who Slack you and the people who email you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> two different groups of people. Yeah, or, or, or snail mail you. Yeah. But, you know, it's like you say this a lot about direct mail for obvious reasons, but like, yeah, what once was old is new again. Um, and when I was reading through what you've been sharing on LinkedIn and Twitter on kind of what it takes to win Black Friday, it feels a lot like that, right? Like the kind of, hey, there's foundational stuff here that this is actually what it takes to win. And we get caught up in kind of like the shiny objects of all of it. So I wanted you to come and talk to us about what does it take with your 20 years of experience in Black Friday, Cyber Monday, probably, you know, like existing in holiday, essentially, before there was such a thing as BFCM. For brands that like really get the most from revenue from their customer base that like really rely on Q4. How do you win in Q4? Like what are the things that people have to remember and not lose sight of? And, you know, if they wrote on a post-it note, a handful of things to like keep track of, what what are those things? Yeah, I think the first thing is really realize the dynamic, the context that's going on. And it's, you know, 20, 30 years of Black Friday retail has done one thing and it's it's taught customers to kind of wait and buy during that week after Thanksgiving. That we go into it thinking, okay, Q4 is great because we get all these new customers. And when you look at the data, that's not actually the case. What you're actually doing is pulling demand 
from elsewhere in Q4 or even in Q3. So that's sort of eye-opening. Like, okay, it's not net new demand. We've just we've just taught our customers to wait and buy during this one week. It's not so bad. But then you realize, okay, well, actually it is kind of bad because the other part of hyping up Black Friday is we've taught them to not only wait and buy during one week, but swap out like full margin purchases for discounted ones. Because Black Friday is all about the discount. So what you, you know, the net effect, if I had to sum up like the last 10 years is like, okay, gradually more and more brands are teaching their customers to wait and buy during one week and, and swap out full margin purchases for discounted ones. So you, you see this phenomenon where more and more brands are like coming out of Black Friday saying, we didn't make a dime. You know, we had epic revenue, but we didn't make money. So it just means like, that's the context that I think everybody should realize going into it. And then it's like, okay, now when we plan out our, our tactics and the hacks and, and the email sequences and everything else we're going to do during Black Friday, we just have to do it with that in mind that, okay, these customers are looking for a deal. We better make sure it's a, it's a profitable one, you know, and we better make sure that we reduce our costs and increase our revenue and maximize our revenue as much as possible during that day or two. Yeah, because we're not going to like untrain consumers at this point. I don't think so. No, I know there are brands who kind of like to get ahead of things and they'll come out before Black Friday, send an email and say, hey, this is the offer. It's right now. We're not doing any Black Friday. We're not doing anything else the rest of the holiday season. You buy it now or you miss this deal. And, you know, kind of maybe not as direct as that, but that's kind of the vibe of their message. And so there, there is like that angle where you can kind of train your, maybe your particular customers to like actually act on and then truly don't offer that deal the rest of the year. Cause if you then offer a deal, then you're losing trust. But you know, you can, you can maybe train people to buy when you tell them to, but regardless, consumers are going to be looking for that deal. Unless you are a brand who truly never discounts, which I, I think are pretty few and far between. Every brand wants to be Apple. They all want to, you know, and when I talk to brands, it's like, I don't want to dis. We're, we're not a brand that discounts. We're, at, you know, we're like Apple. And they say this, and it's like the, the most commoditized brand. Yeah, well, it's sort of like, I guess you got to kind of play the game, but there are different ways to play it. You know, it, I think there are other ways to incentivize a purchase that aren't necessarily like a discount or, or things that eat into your margin. There's like free gift with purchased or, or expedited shipping or, you know, premium service. There's like a lot of ways you can sort of bundle things to make it slap lipstick on the pig, you know, but I'm not averse to even discounts on Black Friday, as long as you know your margin structure going into it, know what your hero product is, know what the deal is going to be, and then optimize the hell out of it. I mean, you can get upsells, you can get cross sells, you can get volume purchases all off your core offer, even if that core offer has a discount on it. But those are other things that can that can get you from negative to positive. I wonder too, like thinking about that, um, that idea of upgraded service as someone who cares a lot about customer experience. I think that that's a really cool concept. And you can probably depending on your product, it's probably something that you can kind of uh, push off until Q1, right? Like if it's a gift that they're actually going to deliver, and the gift is what comes with the upgraded service, the end consumer is the one receiving that upgraded service, and they're not going to leverage it until the, after they get their gift. So, you know, really kind of looking at that, what is the cost of increasing our CS hours or, um, you know, adding a few extra people on the team or, you know, kind of looking at that balance in relationship to what the deal is. And, you know, 
to do that cost benefit analysis, but also recognizing that you might not be applying that cost immediately. Whereas a discount, it's a discount in that moment, it hits the revenue of Q4, where you can maybe find some ways to like push that discount, quote unquote, into Q1 or another quarter. I think a lot of brands, you know, it's if I were to like generalize, a lot of brands look at it as a snapshot when it should be like a motion picture. Like they look at the one transaction, their Black Friday transaction, but lifetime value is something that accrues over time, right? So look at your Black Friday strategy in the broader context of the lifetime value of that customer. You know, if most customers come, if they come in on the Black Friday offer and you have a lot of one-time buyers, then you better be profitable. But if you have a product that has a very, you know, long customer life cycle, then maybe you look at Black Friday as sort of your acquisition, your lead offer, where you just have to break even, you know, knowing that you're going to get second, third, fourth purchases down the line. I think a lot of brands make that mistake of um, not engineering the second and third purchase from a customer. So the customer will come in and buy once and then they're just, everybody's doing high fives and that's like all you care about. When, you know, no, that's when the work begins. That's when you've got to get them into one of your owned owned audiences, right? Email, SMS, and direct mail, where you can then market to them over time and, and sell them on a second product and a third product, because that's going to be the cheapest way to do it, right? For you and really engineer higher lifetime value over time. You know, most any anybody you acquire that week after Thanksgiving for most brands, they're ready to buy again by January, you know, so engineer a second purchase. Yeah. And like being creative about how you do it. I mean, I'm an email marketer and I'm, I still get like really upset when somebody emails me and I haven't signed up to their list or I don't remember signing up to their list because I did it six months ago and you haven't sent an email since then. It ticks me off. But when I get kind of the equivalent in my mailbox, <laughs> I'm really like, oh, they found me, <laughs> you know, like yeah, <laughs> such it's a different a- <laughs> experience. But thinking about that. Yeah, there's a lot of stats around that, that people perceive direct mail as a gift, you know, even junk mail. So lean into it. Whereas I would, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got like SMS, I would say is even worse than email. Like if you start getting texts, even if you signed up for the texts, you kind of get pissed off. At least my, my generation does. I don't know. I don't know about the kids these days. Yeah. But. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is like a, a spectrum of experiences, right? Across the board. And so maybe like making sure that you have those layers in your communications that you're, so you're optimizing for that second, third purchase, but you're also making sure that there are different touch points um, and not just like in what are the touch points in the customer journey to get them to that second purchase from like an email alone channel, but how are the different ways we're going to connect with that customer? Because I think a lot of people try to keep it straightforward and go email paid ads. Those are like, we're going to retarget people. We're going to like continue to talk to them through email until they unsubscribe. But, you know, thinking through like, well, what are the ways can we can we create different email lists that they, they, instead of unsubscribing, they're just managing preferences. And we're changing like, hey, instead of emailing you once a week, we're going to email you every other week or once a month, or, you know, you choose your journey with us. And then also like, yeah. And I would say that the problem with email is like, you're only talking to the people who subscribed or opt in, opted in, not the problem, but, but you get that dynamic where if you look in your Clavio account and you, and you measure or your privy account, like, Here's all my previous buyers and here's the segment that's actively subscribed and opening my email. It's often like 10% of a very rich audience. So there are other ways to get in touch with the customer, that cohort, right? That very rich group of buyers 
remarketing, direct mail. You know, these are ways that you can extend your marketing into those to that audience. Yeah. I've even seen some software products that w- like are very common. I've seen more and more software start to spin up like a sales channel, um, starting to think about like, hey, how do we take what is working so well in other industries like SaaS and apply it to e-commerce? And so having thinking about your CS, CX team as salespeople, how can instead of on, in chat on your website, instead of just being reactive and answering questions... Can you go to people that are on the site and ask them if they have questions and, you know, offer answers to questions they might be asking? Can you leverage your chat or your pop-ups to do those things? So I think there's like lots of ways we can communicate with our customers that we don't necessarily always think about. And to me, that's what's really exciting about Black Friday. And like one of the ways people can really win is thinking a a bit differently about how you approach your audience during this time. Um, where you're going to like double down on that overarching customer experience. And like you said, you've, you've attracted them, but they're holding out, they're waiting to make that purchase. So how do you make that purchase like the best possible experience so that you're setting yourself up for the second, third, and so on? Yeah. I think the thing we haven't really talked about is just how crowded Black Friday is. And the met, you know, when you're driving everybody to purchase on one day, so are all your competitors, right? So we find that that's where brands can differentiate. We find that like the mailbox is less competitive than the inbox. We like to, we like to say that around the office. So definitely recommend differentiating that way, whether it's with us or with anybody else. I think it, it's, you know, it sort of harkens back to the Christmas catalog that like Amazon's sending out now. And it's really cool. I had one around here, but my kids took it because it's, it actually like, it's cool, right? Like it's kind of fun to look, when do you sit on amazon.com and, and go through like 40 products and just kind of browse? You don't, and certainly my kids don't, but with the catalog they do, you know? So that's cool. The other thing that's probably worth considering that we've seen is that um, there've been a couple studies that show that Customers that get a human touch in the trans in the buying process have twice the lifetime value of the control group that does not. So that could be a call on the phone thanking for an order, or in our case, it could be like a handwritten note. So you could do something. Uh, what we see brands doing is like, hey, if the customer hits a, a certain order threshold, or you know, spent a thousand bucks on the site, we we print and send a handwritten note. Thank you. You know. Thank you for being you and yada, yada, yada. You don't even have to put an offer in it. But the data suggests that like that human touch will increase the lifetime value of that customer group. Yep. I talked to a long, t- a couple of years ago, I talked to Andy from Plum Deluxe Tea. And of course, his as a tea company, his customer base tends to be a little bit older. But in every single package they send out, they the person that packed the box writes a note on the packing slip. Hey, Thanks for your order. This is one of my favorite teas too. I hope you really enjoy it. It's up to them in the in the warehouse if they they have little samples of other flavors. It's up to the the packer to decide if they want to throw a sample in, and they get to like write that in their note. And he talked a lot about how that changes everything. People write actually his customer base handwrites letters back, and there's been like exchanges back and forth between certain people in the warehouse and their customer, like little pen pals. But yeah, I mean, that human touch changes everything about the dynamic of the brand. I mean, you can buy tea anywhere, but 
these customers are choosing to order from this company because of the experience that they get. Yeah, they're using us for automated handwriting to do a lot of that. So you can you can pull whatever they ordered in Shopify, generate a, a handwritten thank you note, and that's going out certain days after purchase. I'd have to look up exactly what it is for them. But yeah, I mean, and you can do it in any kind of wherever you are in your journey of building your business. You can do it the way Andy did it a couple of years ago, which was, hey, guys in the warehouse, here's some pens and go right on the packing slip. And it's going to take an extra 30 seconds to a minute to write a little note. And we're going to account for that in our packing times. Or you can be further along in your business journey and start to bring in automation to do that for you, to use handwriting fonts and um, that look like a pen wrote it with the kind of ink and the way it's printed. So there's every level of it, but I think there's almost like no excuse not to consider how that kind of one-to-one experience can exist in your brand. I agree. You know, I've, and in many ways, I feel like we've been banging the drum for that kind of customer experience. But, you know, D2C, they often just care about acquisition. They, they care about buying, you know, acquiring that first customer, but there's so much you can do after you do that. Yeah. Well, you know, we uh, have been collectively shouting about retention for so long. So eventually, uh, the rest of D2C will catch up <laughs> yeah. to the the human side of it. I always compare it to like, hey, I, you know, we sell in computers. And so we forget there's like an actual person on the other side. And think about your customer's experience as if you were a retail store. Would you like the way that you're treating your customers on your website if your site were an actual retail store? And typically, the answer is no. <laughs> uh, and so then you have to think about ways you can change that. And and usually it's like building in more human elements. Drew, where can people find the Black Friday Mastery Guide, learn more from you, from your, I mean, you share all kinds of experience and, and knowledge, at least with me when I, in our conversations, I would love to extend that to our listeners and have them follow you, learn from you and go get that guide so they can crush it. Sure. Yeah. LinkedIn is my workhorse. So I'm on there. Sanaki, S-A-N-O-C-K-I, I think is my username, but Drew Sanaki. And uh, occasionally I post it to Twitter too, but a lot of my stuff is up on the LinkedIn. Great. Drew, thank you for being our guest professor and bringing... <laughs> Thanks, Val. I mean, it's e-commerce marketing school. You're our guest there we professor. Go. Okay. Yeah. Add, it, add it to your credentials. Class dismissed. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Um, well, thank you for bringing your tenure to our lesson today and uh, appreciate everything you do for this, for this community. Thanks, Val. It was fun to be here. All right, class, make sure you're subscribed to e-commerce marketing school and huge favor. If you hear an episode you love, please take two minutes to leave a review with privy. Anyone can be a marketer, simple, intuitive email and SMS marketing that drives real results without the complexity. And before I go, a special shout out to triple whale e-commerce marketing school is now part of the triple whale podcast network. Triple whale helps you easily manage and automate analytics attribution, merchandising, forecasting, and more in the palm of your hand. Check them out by scheduling a demo today.